Obviously, this doesn't happen very often. And so uh, I'm thrilled that we could, we could have a Sunday morning gathering on Christmas Day. And uh, man, that's a true gift from God that, that this happens every several years. So uh, glad you guys are with us. And if you guys have any uh, Christmas traditions, were you up till midnight on Christmas Eve? And you guys have that? Yeah, yeah we did that. So uh, I'm, I'm a little tired here. And if you guys have any uh, exciting Christmas Day traditions, like you get up, you have breakfast, you open gifts or something like that, and you guys have Christmas Day morning ones, how many of you guys are waiting to, to start your tradition the, day, the, you know, the moment we end the service here? You're going to run back home and get some stuff rolling. This is good. Well, we know uh, we have all kinds of traditions for, our, for Christmas, and you know, some of them have become second nature to us, don't they? They're just so common, we don't even think twice about it, like, have you guys thought twice about wrapping gifts or just putting them under the tree unwrapped? Like, you, never, you never think about that. Like, I got the gift, I'm going to wrap it. You don't even think twice. That's, that's, our, that's our second nature kind of tradition with that. As I mentioned before, we, we don't put up Christmas trees in our house and leave them undecorated. You know, you, you, you don't do that. That's, it's, it's second nature for us to wrap some uh, lights around it, throw up some ornaments, things like that. Um, there's all kinds, of, all kinds of Christmas traditions we've got. Um, we had one yesterday. We ate pasteles, and uh, you know, for 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 Puerto Ricans, that's a, that's quite the delicacy, man. So it's like taste buds dancing, you know. It's it was a it's a beautiful one. We we've all got them, and some of these traditions become just so natural to us, second nature. You ever thought about that phrase, second nature? It comes from a Latin phrase meaning following what's normal, following what's normal. And the truth of the matter is Christmas is about God addressing us when we followed what was normal. And what was normal for each of us is from the day of our birth, we lived in opposition to God. And when we respond to God and push him away, when we have pride welling up within us, when we're self-focused, when we're just battling anger, we got all these different kinds of things in our hearts that then transpire in our lives, the truth is... We're doing what's second nature. You see, we're, we're born separated from God. And some people say, man, that's a, that's a pretty negative outlook on life. That's, like, that's kind of depressing. It's, it's fatalistic. And, and it might sound that way, but it's the truth. And if the truth sounds negative, then maybe we need to revise our understanding of what's negative and what we need. You see, Christmas is about God coming to address the fact that we do what's natural to us, and that's sin. And what we want us to understand is that Jesus came on this earth in order to deal with that problem. So, in fact, to understand and recognize that we are people who push God away is actually the starting point for finding life and understanding the whole point of Christmas. So today I'm going to keep it short and sweet. I want to open up God's Word. We're going to get two different passages, one from the book of Matthew, chapter 2, and the one from the book of Micah chapter 5. And for all my kids here, Brooke kids, you guys in the house right now? All right. I want you to do this, kiddos. You can find a piece of paper, all right, somewhere in your vicinity. If you got extra paper, could you pull some out? Hand it to the kids. Kids, draw a picture of what I'm talking about today. I want you to draw a picture of the story that I'm unfolding, and I want you to share that with whoever you came with, whether it's a, a parent, an aunt, uncle, grandparent, whoever it is, friend. And so I want to see, and I would love for you family members to post those pictures on Facebook. I want to see what the kids see when I preach. 
That's always a fun endeavor. We're going to start in the book of Matthew, chapter 2, that's page 807 in the Pew Bible in front of you. 807. And we say this every week at the Brook, and I want you to know today, if you don't own a Bible personally, if you don't own one, there's a Bible in the pew in front of you. It's a blue Bible. We want you to take that one home with you. It's our gift to you. We want you to have God's word because through his word he speaks to us. And the book of Matthew chapter 2, I'm going to read verses 1 through 6 to set the stage. It's a familiar story of the, the magi or the wise men. You guys heard that story before? So here we go. Matthew chapter 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men, can you say wise men? Wise men, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to what? Worship, Worship him. Now not come to give him a high five. They didn't come to shake his hand. They came to worship a baby. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. I'm going to pause there. This is the heart of the Christmas story. And what's so amazing is, notice, this says in the verse 1, after Jesus was born. So, so Mary had already given birth to Jesus. He was already wrapped in his swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. The, the shepherds already kept their flock by night and came and worshipped him. All this had taken place when these wise men see a star in the sky. They see this star in the days of Herod. Now this is important for us. We need to know who Herod was to understand the weight of this story. Herod was a wicked ruler in the land of Judah. Herod was a man who was known to be the king of the Jews. And as king of the Jews, he was one who had to consolidate his power by putting people to death. In fact, he was so thirsty for power that when anyone threatened his power, he did away with them. Namely, three of his sons and one of his wives. He killed them because they posed a threat to his kingship. It took him three years to consolidate that, consolidate that power. So imagine in his mind when these magi, these wise men come up and they say, Hey, where's the king of the Jews who was born? We've come to worship him. Now this guy's like, wait, what'd you say? King of the Jews? I'm king of the Jews. A lot of blood has been shed to give me this position. What are you talking about? And these magi or wise men, men from the east, men who studied the stars and studied scriptures, and, and they were just guys who were very wise as they understood different trends in society. And they saw this star in the sky. They said, Something's not normal about this star. We, we, we like to look at the night sky. That star wasn't always there. They searched different old scriptures and came across Numbers chapter 24, verse 17, where a, 
a pagan prophet named Balaam says, hey, one day a star is going to be in the sky, and that day a ruler is going to come, and he's going to rule over Israel. And they said, hey, we see this star, and that's a trigger for us to know that God is bringing forth a king. And so now Herod's like, well, where's that king supposed to be? So he assembles the religious leaders, and it says he inquired of them where he was to be born. And they don't hesitate. They don't think twice, say, you know what, let me get back to you in about three days. Or they don't say, you know, give us a week, let me do a Google search. They said right away, as the prophet has said to you, O Bethlehem of Judah, least of the peoples, from you will come a ruler. They quoted it off the top. Because they knew that God had said he was sending his king to be born in Bethlehem. Well, what I want to do, as we've done in this series, is say, when did God say that? I mean, the whole Christmas story has been around this area of Bethlehem. When, When did God say that the ruler would be born in Bethlehem? Well, that's where we have to press rewind. And go back to page 778 in your pew Bibles, Micah chapter 5. Micah chapter 5. This here is a fascinating story. Micah and Isaiah in the Bible, they lived around the same time together. And they both talked to God's people about, with different messages. Micah had a particular message. He says, hey, I'm holding up a road sign for you guys saying, do not enter. Dead end ahead. And Micah was there like a billboard shouting out to God's people, hey, you're going the wrong direction. If you keep down this path, you're going to die. You're going to be destroyed. And God's people just did not listen to Micah. Micah chapter 3, verse 1, he says, Hear you heads of Jacob, the rulers of the people, the house of Israel. Is it not for you to know justice? I mean, you'd think surely the leaders would know justice. You who hate the good and love the evil. He's saying even your your rulers in your lands, they love what is evil and hate what is good. They're living backward lives. If that weren't bad enough, chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Hear this, you heads of the house of Jacob and rulers of the house of Israel, who detest justice and make crooked all that is straight. So they're like, he's like, Mike is telling them, you guys see something that's good? And you're like, no, 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 that can't stay. Let, let Let me throw it out of whack. You see that straight path? Let let me make it a winding one. Let me add confusion into your life. And whether they did it intentionally or unintentionally, they did it. The rulers were corrupt, but so were their spiritual leaders. Micah chapter 3, verse 11. Its heads, the heads of Israel, they give judgment for a bribe. Its priests teach for a price. Its prophets practice divination for money. So its spiritual leaders are in it for the money. They're like, hey, when you enter the doors, you know there's a cover charge for my sermon. They're saying, hey, you know there's a price tag for you coming to learn from me. And Micah's looking like, what is going on? You who have God's word, you're selling it to people for a price? People who can't even feed themselves? So Micah's like, do not enter. Dead end. Cliff ahead of you. And so throughout the book of Micah, he's warning them and warning them, and God's people are stubborn. And finally, Micah chapter 5, verse 1, Micah gives them a message. Just turn there in my Bible as well. Chapter 5, verse 1, he says, Now muster your troops, O daughters of troops. Siege is laid against us. 
With a rod, they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. Micah's saying, the day's coming, guys, where your ruler will be smacked in the face and you guys will be surrounded in the city of Jerusalem. Trouble is coming your way. You know when you're expecting that bill to come in the mail and every day you open the mailbox and just kind of cringe, you're like, yeah, it's not here, not here yet. You take the rest of the mail. But, but you know it's coming. And, and Micah's saying, the, the bill is coming and you're going to have to pay this thing. Judgment is coming. It may come Amazon Prime in two days <laughs> or, or my circle in our postal system for a bit, but it's coming. Judgment is coming. Your city will be surrounded. It will be sieged. Your walls are going to be closing in on you. And he says, during that time, you need to know that God has a word of hope for you. Micah chapter 5, verse 2, but you, O Bethlehem, five miles south of Jerusalem, but you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be a ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days, Therefore, he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. See, Micah, he's given a message here that applies to them in their present day, but has a distant fulfillment. So I need you to see this picture. There's a present-day truth to his message with a later-day fulfillment. And the present-day truth is this. Your city is about to get under attack because of your wickedness, and your ruler will be captured. But here's a distant fulfillment in that is that God will not let that be the end of his rulers. What does God do when his rulers were corrupt and his people went astray? He said, I'm going to raise up my own ruler. One who's going to watch over my people and lead them back like a shepherd leads his sheep. He's going to come from Bethlehem, a tiny city with no name, no recognition, no reputation. This one will be called the Ancient of Days or come from ancient days. He is one who will come and rule over them. I love how Micah sets this thing up. Because you know what the truth is for many of us, we feel much like the city of Jerusalem where we are besieged at every side because of our own rebellion against God. See, that was the result of their their pushing God away. Their lives began to close in on them. And we all have experienced those times where our actions, our sin, our thoughts, our words have caused some great problems in our lives. And it's the result of sin. And as the walls close in, as the enemy, sin, death, and Satan surround us, where is our hope? Where are we going to go? And here Micah says, hey, for you, God's sending a ruler. And this ruler is going to deal with your problems. He's going to come from the least and come for the least. He's going to come from Bethlehem, a city that's not on the map to save people who are not on the map, so to speak. Do you feel forgotten sometimes? Do you feel insignificant? Does Christmas bring about all kinds of lonely feelings and distraughtness? You need to know that there is one who came from the least for the least. He is God's ruler, 
that Micah spoke about 700 years before Jesus. We also see that we have a true deliverer who will battle our foe. Not an army that surrounds, but our sin that has surrounded us. And we know that Jesus went to a cross, and on that cross, he defeated sin. He defeated defeated Satan, and from raising from the dead, he defeated death to give us life. He is our ruler who redeems us. We also see Micah says that Jesus ultimately wants to govern your life and guide your steps. See, Christmas, again, calls for a decision. Yes, we can hear how Jesus saved us, but what do we do about it? You see, Micah chapter 5, verse 4, it says that he will come and shepherd his people. Shepherds take the sheep and they lead them in the right direction. Shepherds lead them to the food. They protect them from the wolves. They feed them. They bind them up when they're broken. They protect them at night. They watch over their lives. Jesus has come to be our shepherd. He wants to guide you in your steps. But it requires that you surrender your life to him. See, the Christmas story is a story of hope bound in Jesus, but it's a story only applied when we surrender our lives to him. When we feel like we are living in a besieged city and our own failures surround us, we got to turn to Jesus, the one who offers us hope. And so Micah makes these words 700 years later, they get fulfilled. I love how Galatians 4 says this. In the fullness of time, when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son. You see, God wasn't too early to fulfill his promise, nor was he too late. But at the right time, he sent Jesus to save us. And this is what he's done. He has come to save us from our sins but through a very complex story. We were going through this Christmas story with our family yesterday morning. And Lucas just said, he said, you, he said, you know, this is really complicated. I was like, man, it sure is. To think, Mary and Joseph lived in Nazareth, which is many, many miles north of Jerusalem. And God had to get a pregnant virgin from Nazareth to Bethlehem to fulfill Micah 5.2. He had to fulfill Matthew, uh, Isaiah 7 by getting her pregnant, a virgin. It's so many complex things. So here this virgin is there in Nazareth with a child in her womb, with a man who wanted to leave her, but then God had revealed himself to him. Now Joseph is saying, I'm going to stay with her. Well, now what? Well, God's like, i got to get you to Bethlehem to give birth to this child to fulfill Micah. Well, how would God do that? By using a pagan king, Caesar Augustus, who made a decree, a census. And Caesar's like, hey, everyone's got to go to the place of your birth for a census. Joseph's like, hey, I was born in Bethlehem. Mary, you're my fiance. We got to go to Bethlehem now for a census. But little do we know, Caesar's not in control. God's like, I got to get Joseph there, and he does it through Caesar. So, Jesus, so, so Mary and Joseph show up in Bethlehem, of all places, where she gives birth to a child. I mean, just think about that. Yeah, that's complicated. God had to fulfill a whole lot of prophecies, beginning with a virgin birth to a birth in Bethlehem, to a star in the sky, in order for his Savior to come, and he did it. He did it. Family, as we think about Christmas... I want us to really just soak in this fact 
that our faith has roots that sink far deeper than one day 2,000 years ago. But God made a promise going back and back and back and back to Genesis 3. When Adam and Eve ate the fruit and all hope had been lost, sin entered the world, Satan had won, and God tells Eve, hey, Eve, from you one will come who will defeat Satan, one of your offspring who will crush Satan's head. And Jesus did that on the cross. Family, this is what we hope for in Christmas. This is the perfect storm that God put together to save us when a storm rages been reflecting on so many Christmas hymns these last few weeks. I want to close with this one. I won't be singing it for you guys. And all God's people said? Amen. All right. In the 16th century, that's in the 1500s, an unknown author penned these words. To this day, we don't know who wrote it. But we've seen various renditions of God rest ye merry gentlemen. Hear these words. Listen to them. God rest thee, merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. O tidings of comfort and joy. In Bethlehem, in Israel, this blessed babe was born and laid within a manger upon this blessed morn for which his mother Mary did nothing take in scorn, O tidings of comfort and joy. Fear not then, said the angel, let nothing you affright. This day is born a savior of a pure virgin bright, to free all those who trust in him from Satan's power and might. O tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy, O tidings of comfort Enjoy. See, our ruler has come to bring comfort and joy, to defeat Satan and to give us life. If you've never put your faith in Jesus, man, we pray you would do it today. That this Christmas would be one that's unlike any other. I was speaking with a brother today who's very young in the faith, and it's the first time he celebrated Christmas as a Christian. I mean, the, 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 the excitement and the thrill of saying, that's my Savior who came and took on flesh, skin, and bones for me. If you've never done that, if you've never said, Jesus, I need you. I know I'm like a besieged city. I know I've got sin in my life. I feel the weight of my choices, the weight of my thoughts, the weight of my words, and God, I'm separated from you. I want you to know that this is precisely why Jesus came. See, when he died, he offers forgiveness so that your sin goes upon Jesus and his righteousness and holiness goes upon you. In exchange. And that all comes when you put your faith in him and you let the shepherd lead your life. And we pray you would do that today. For those of us who know Jesus, who follow him, man, let him put a skip in your step today. As you leave this place, go with a song on your lips and declare praises to God because indeed in Bethlehem was born our Savior. To him be the glory. Let's pray, church family. Father in heaven, though it's our second nature, the normal us, the things that we go about doing from our birth, though it is that thing that separates us from you, God, you have built a bridge between God and man through Jesus Christ. 
And Lord, I pray that you would raise up faith among us today, Lord. For those who've never put their faith in Jesus, for the first time, God, let their faith arise. Will they turn to the Jesus who came as a baby and grew as a man and went to the cross for them? And Father, for others who are downtrodden, beaten, just overwhelmed by life, may they know, God, that your love is such that you put together a perfect storm of events in order to come and save them. And may they who feel lowly remember that Jesus came among the lowly in a lowly city to save lowly people. So, Lord, may we just be filled with worship and praise this Christmas day. We love you and we treasure you in Jesus' name. Amen. Church family, let's rise to our feet. And if it's on your lips to declare praises to this God that I've been talking about, I want this room to resound with celebration. We have some people here ready for a, as a prayer team. Um, would a couple of you guys just come forward and just be ready to, to pray with someone who has a prayer need? Maybe guys is stirred in your heart. You didn't expect this today. You came for a Christmas Day celebration and ready to get out, but God's prompting you. He's pricking that heart of yours. And we, we have a few people here who just want to pray with you. And so would you come forward and let them pray with you. Let them come alongside of you. And so let's just sing God's praises today, church family. You ready to do that? What? You guys ready to declare his praises? Let's lift it up. Declare your glory.